You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is June 26th, and last night, Atlanta United lost to Toronto 2-1 at BMO Field in Canada. It was a game that we've seen quite a few times in the past few seasons. But before we get into the game, let's get into the news. Uh, In the warm-ups, Brooks Lennon apparently suffered a left knee injury. The team is yet to say what the injury was. They may not even know yet. The team was going to fly back from Toronto last night. Apparently... uh, Brooks stepped off the field for something, and that's when the injury happened. He had to be carried back over to the sidelines uh, by a teammate and a trainer. Not a good sign. Feel awful for Lennon. He was having a good year. He's one of the team's most dependable players. And Aiden McFadden stepped in. But now let's go into the game. Atlanta United has now only won two of its past ten with very, very tough road games coming up at Red Bulls, and at NYCFC, two places where it has not won. The first goal was the result of a mistake, a couple of mistakes, actually, uh, in the defensive third, which Pineda has lamented all season because when those happen, the team is not in its shape. It's not communicating, and that's what happened. George Campbell had a turnover, his second in the first few minutes of the game. Toronto came down the middle left channel, Two people moved to Jaden, left Osorio wide open to move into the box. He got the ball and beat Rios Novo to the near post. It was an easy goal for Toronto. Not good for Atlanta United because, as a stat I give often, when it concedes first on the road, it is now in its franchise history 2-30-8, which is a bizarre record for a team that has spent Almost $75 million on attacking talent since 2017. You got to think. 2-30-8 when it concedes first on the road. Atlanta United did not put a shot on goal in the first half. It got a moment of brilliance from Luis Arahujo to tie the game in the 57th minute. And that's the other thing that's going on with this team right now. It beat Pachuca and it beat Miami. But if you go back and look at the goals... They came from mistakes made by the opponent, not from some sort of really cool sequencing of passing and movement by Atlanta United. And that's what happened on the Arahujo goal. 
There was a turnover in Toronto's half of the field. Abara passed to Arahujo, beat his defender, chipped the goalkeeper, tie game. But Toronto came back down. Preso, 78th minute, goal, game over. Atlanta United finished with just two shots on goal. Two shots on goal. I keep repeating things because it's just bizarre. Toronto, despite having only 43.7% of the possession, finished with 1.54 expected goals to Atlanta United's 1.3. They both finished with 15 shots. Toronto put four on target. Atlanta United only put two. Toronto had a massive 12 shots from inside the box, which is just crazy. Toronto had more passes in the final third. That's just, we've seen this before from this Atlanta United team. It is a team, and I've said this many times, that can go from 110% confidence to about 50% confidence, depending upon what happens in the game. And I think you saw that with the Lennon injury. I think the team's confidence was affected. Emerson Hyman said it wasn't after the game, but I got to think it was. If you watch the first few minutes, you could see a very nervous, nervy team. And then they gave up the goal within 10 minutes and just didn't go well. Uh, They could not get the ball to Joseph Martinez. He had 11 touches in the first half and I think only 22 in the game. Amar Sadich, who came on as a second-half sub, had more touches. Mateus Uzetu, who came on as a second-half sub, had more touches. Rocco Rios Novo had more touches. It's a... Atlanta United got out game plan and could not adjust uh, by a Toronto midfield that is not very fast. But if you want to compare foot speed, Atlanta United midfield probably is among the slowest in Major League Soccer. Emerson Hyman is a fantastic passer and mover, but he's not going to beat you in a sprint. And Franco Ibarra, who I think is a good player, often looks like he's running with a refrigerator on his back. Um. And Toronto was able to take advantage of that with some quick passing and movement. Coffee sip here. And there you go. So with that loss, Atlanta United falls further back in the standings. It is now closer to the bottom than it is to fourth place. It is seven points from fourth place, which comes with a home playoff game, and only five ahead of Chicago and D.C. at the bottom of the table. And by the end of the next two games, they could be really, really closer to the bottom of the table at Red Bulls and at NYCFC. New York City continues to lead with 27 points. Montreal with 26. Red Bulls with 26. Philadelphia with 26. Orlando with 25. Cincinnati with 23. New England with 23. This team has some problems. Um, Pineda was visibly frustrated after the game. Talked about Aiden McFadden was one of the few players who actually had a good game. It didn't sound like they executed the game plan. Hyman said they knew Toronto was going to crowd the midfield. They still couldn't get the ball into scoring positions. That's just not good. Either that's players not listening to the game plan or the game plan was wrong. Or I guess you could argue Toronto just outplayed them. They are also trying to win, which is something that folks often forget. Um as far as chances created, which is a good sign of, of game planning, um, Atlanta United created one, two, three, six, eight, eleven chances, which isn't bad. 
Most of them came, eight of them came from Moreno, Araujo, and Martinez. Now, I think the team vastly missed Diego Almada last night, who was serving the second of his three-game red card suspension. Marcelino Moreno is not an attacking midfielder. He is much better on the wing than as a midfielder. A lot of turnovers from him last night. That's He had a 73.3% passing accuracy. Araujo's was 68.2. That's just not good. Not good at all. Um, that's I'm not putting this loss on Moreno. I'm just saying that he's having to play attacking midfielder right now. I think the team understands he's better. I think Pineda understands he's better as a winger than he is as an attacking midfielder. Um, I think he prefers to play as an attacking midfielder, but that's not the best thing for the team. So, Aid McFadden had a good game, and really that was about it. Arahujo had a good game, I should say. That was about it for Atlanta United. How do they get this turned around? Well, we'll get into that in the mailbag here in a minute. But they've got to do something because right now it's not working. And now they have to worry about how in the world are they going to cover for their fullbacks because they have three healthy ones. McFadden, who's in Atlanta United 2 player, who signed like a 45-day agreement because Tyler Wolf got called into the under-20s. You have Caleb Wiley had a good game last night. Um, and then you have Mikey Ambrose, who's clearly not preferred by Pineda. Um, there's supposed to be a player coming in. The team has not confirmed it. But even if he comes in, he's not going to be an instant starter. Um, this team's just – it's going to have – it's got issues. Lots and lots of issues. So let's start hearing from some folks. Here's Gonzalo Pineda talking about the injury to Brooks Lennon. Yeah, he's left on the outside of the field in one play in the warm-up and uh, injured his knee. We don't know to what extent, but yeah, that's what happened. His right knee or his left knee? Left. Now, then we asked or asked Pineda about, you know, I used the, the little Dutch boy analogy of you put your finger in one hole in the dam and another springs. How do you fix these problems? Well, it's part of the game. It's part of the nature of the game. No, uh, there are many ways to score goals, many ways to concede. Uh, today, I felt that very easily we gave away the first goal. Uh, but, I mean, I cannot complain about the effort of the team. I think the team put a lot of effort, did a lot of good plays. We just couldn't capitalize that in scoring more goals. And obviously, the individual mistakes on the back maybe costing us a lot more. And that's part of the nature of the game. Is it a reflection of just the inexperience of the guys on the back line? I don't want to put that on them. It's, it's in, in everybody. I need to prepare my players for success. And I mean, uh, we need to, to continue with the progression of the style of the team. I think the team is trying to play the way we want to play. Uh, we came to a tough place to play, and I felt that we were on the front foot the 90 minutes. We were trying to be proactive at creating chances, uh, but obviously those little mistakes hurt us, and, I mean, it happens. We need to clean that out and try to be better. That's a little concerning to me about that Pineda says he thought the team was on the front foot when the stats and the eye test clearly showed they were not. Um, maybe he's just factoring in that the, the mistakes in the final third, because the team was not sharp in Toronto's defensive third at all. Um, maybe he, he was taking some solace the, from the fact they were trying to make some things happen in the final third. 
Um, Aiden McFadden, of course, found out he was going to start in a few minutes before the beginning of the game. We asked Pineda how he, he thought that McFadden played. I think I think he did very well. I mean, I don't know what you guys see from 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 outside, but from the field, I felt that he had a tremendous game. Actually, actually, I'm very pleased with him. He showed a lot of character, not a lot of uh, defensive mistakes. I think he was progressing the ball very well, attacking very well, gaining his duels, most of his duels. I think he he was uh, he was one of those players that had a good game too. And then because Joseph Martinez was almost invisible in this game, he was asked by Joe Patrick about how to try, how to, try to get him more touches in the second half. Yes, I mean, it looked like like they were very aware of Joseph. They were trying to put a lot of pressure on him. So at times it was hard to pass him the ball when he had at times two and, uh, uh, behind him and at times even Bradley in front of him. So... Uh, I think they did a good job at closing down those areas, but I felt that that also helped to explode some other areas. They have a space, especially in the second half. I felt that we were creating a lot of counter movements to to get in behind, especially on our right side. And uh, well, at times, yes, Joseph cannot touch a lot the ball, the build-up, but we hope that he can have more connections in the final third and especially inside the box. Uh, today, we couldn't connect. From those areas, I think that once we get in the final third, we were not connecting those crosses to Joseph or Ronaldo very often, and that's part of why we didn't create enough chances. So there you go. Um, Aiden McFadden was one of the two players who uh, agreed to do post-game interviews, so I appreciate Aiden for that. Uh, asked him if it was better for his nerves to not know he was going to start. Um, well, I don't have anything to compare it to, uh, but I've definitely been looking forward to this. And this is what I've been working for. So you don't always know how an opportunity is going to present itself. But uh, I felt like being part of this group since really preseason has gotten me ready. And, yeah, I just kind of went out there and tried to express myself. I had a lot of fun. Um, obviously, the result's not what we wanted. Uh, but we're going to keep growing and keep pushing on. And then, of course, we asked Aiden how he thought he performed. I think I can do better. That's the first thing. That's kind of how I've always been. Um, I think I need to learn a bit more how the other guys play. Again, this is really the first significant game I've gotten to play. Uh, there were times in preseason, but yeah, um, I still have a lot to prove, and I think I, I can give more. So that's what I'm going to strive to do. I have to assume that McFadden is going to be the starter in the next two games, depending upon the severity of Lennon's injury. I hope it's not severe. Um but even so, I got to figure McFadden is going to start because they don't, probably don't want to risk Lennon. Emerson Hyman was the other player uh, who agreed to do post game interviews. Appreciate that because it's always tough for the players after losses. I asked him, "How does the team fix these mistakes that just keep happening?" Yeah, I mean, obviously frustrating. Um, you know, normally we're pretty pretty solid um, building out of the back, um, so it's something we have to look at. Uh, you know, we. Did pretty well with it um, all week in training. So, uh, you know, I mean, it, it happens, I guess, in some games, but uh, it's definitely something we have to look at in the video and, uh, and correct. What, what is the correction that needs to be made? Uh, well, I think I think tonight we were we tried to do the right things. I think, you know, there was obviously uh, some some individual mistakes that, th- that can always happen to anyone at any time. So um, just seemed like there was, you know, quite a few of them throughout the night, unfortunately. Um, and kind of the way we play, uh, you know, if you make a mistake that far at the back, it's, uh, it can be costly. So, 
you know, we, we try to play expansive football. We try to build on the back and create space that way. So, um, yeah, it was, it was frustrating on, on that level. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, we, we game plan each week for, for each team. And, uh, you know, we thought we had a good one going in and just didn't, uh, work the right way. And then I asked him if there was any concern that he didn't get any points, uh, from the start of this tough three match road trip. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, like I said, it's very frustrating, but, um, you know, we're, we're on the road for two more games and we know we have to pick up points. We're frustrated tonight. Uh, we saw it as definitely, uh, at least a couple points dropped tonight. Um, you know, obviously we didn't play our best, but I think we, there were still points to be had at least one, um, in tonight. So we're frustrated with that, but, uh, like I said, we have to move on. Uh, we got two really tough games, uh, against both the New York teams and, you know, we have to show up for those and, you know, they, they play real high intense football and pressing football. So we have to be ready for that. And, uh, and yeah, we have to match them. All right. This is Southern fried soccer from the Atlanta journal constitution. We're going to hit the mailbag when we come back from this break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution keeps you informed on the news that matters to you. And now, for a limited time, you can get six months of unlimited digital access to the AJC for just 99 cents. That includes all of our Atlanta United coverage, plus sports, politics, investigations, breaking news, dining, and more for less than a buck. It's our best offer of the year for the best journalism in Atlanta. Go to subscribe.ajc.com podcast to get unlimited digital access for the next six months for just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. And now let's open the mailbag. And it's a very frustrated group of folks, understandably. Nick says, hi, Doug. I hope you've enjoyed your coffee this morning. I am. And that life is going well. It is, including something I'm very excited about tonight. What would you change for the team's next game? That's a really good question. Um, it's dangerous when you start taking players out. Uh, I'm assuming this is what you're asking about personnel and putting new ones in because whatever chemistry and confidence you have developed, you might start to lose. I think I would try if I were Pineda, I would keep Abara as the DM. I would move Sosa into the central midfield where Hyman has been playing. I would move Hyman into the attacking midfielder role. And I would put Moreno on the left wing. Cisneros, uh, after a really, really good start, he's making good runs. He's putting forth a lot of effort, but not getting a lot of results. It might be time just to give him a rest. Uh, that's, that's probably the thing I would do. 
you really can't. There's really no one else to bring in right now. The transfer window doesn't open until July 7th, so you can't bring in Gudinho Aparata at center back. Um, I know Campbell made the mistake last night. I know I know he made two mistakes, but I still think he had a decent game. Franco had another kind of moment where he switched off, and the team was punished. Um, and those mistakes get magnified because when defenders make mistakes, they lead to goals. William asks, is there enough depth to cover the injuries? If not, what move does this club need to make in the summer transfer window? Well, Pineda said last week, and I wrote about it, that they are likely going to make at least one more move. The renowned journalist C.L. Merlo said the club is interested in a Colombian fullback who can play on either side. But again, he couldn't come in even if the player is signed until July 7th. And even then, he's got to get used to his teammates and everything else, and the club isn't going to rush him into the lineup. I think the team needs another winger, too. Um, we'll see. It, it's There's going to have to be enough depth is, is what it comes down to. Quinn, a friend of mine, says, what's your assessment on the responsibility of the coaching and the mounting losses, especially in light of the inability of so much talent to score on the heavily scored on Toronto? It's a really good question. Toronto had, going into Saturday's game, one of the worst defenses in Major League Soccer. Atlanta United has the most expensive roster, arguably some of the best attacking talent in the league, two shots on goal. I do think, and I don't typically like saying this, but I think Pineda got outcoached by Bob Bradley. There's no shame in that. Bob Bradley is a fantastic coach. But the adjustments didn't seem to really be working either. Um, I don't know if the players were executing the tactics that were asked. I don't know if Toronto simply took them away. But, yeah, at a point, you have to start looking at the coaching. And I don't blame any of y'all for looking at the coaching right now. Um, Two wins in ten. You've got a team that has had a lot of injuries, and you do have to remember that. If Lennon misses a game, he will be at least the 19th player to miss a game because of an injury this season. There's not many teams in a salary cap league that can overcome that. So Pineda should deserve some credit for really kind of keeping this thing going despite all the injuries and despite all the different lineup permutations he's had to put together. Last night's starting lineup was the same for the third consecutive game, which was a first this season for the five stripes. Um, But at some point, the players have to start producing. The coach has to start getting it right. I don't want to say that something should be changed because it's not fair It's not fair to the players. It's not fair to Pineda, considering all the injuries. Um, I think he deserves time, and they just got to get some consistency in the lineup. Ben says, another poor performance tonight. Do you think the team will pick up any points on this road trip? I do not. Um, History shows us that. With all the recent transfer news, it seems teams are starting to realize that bringing in young, unproven talent is not the way to consistent success. LAFC has completely abandoned the model by adding more proven talent. Do you think Atlanta will move in this direction? I do not. You know, they could try to bring in somebody on a free because that doesn't hurt you, uh, hurt your business model. But I will point out that Atlanta United's model has resulted in four or five trophies. LAFC's has resulted in one. Now they may win Supporter Shield. They may win MLS Cup this weekend. Um or I'm sorry, this season, but they may not. Seattle has kind of an in-between model, and it's won a whole lot of trophies. 
So every franchise needs to have its own philosophy, but it, and it needs to stick to that philosophy until it gets a new front office. I think Atlanta United's philosophy will work, but I think people have to be patient. Young players take time. They have to gain experience. They have to gain confidence. And it's not just that the players are confident. It's a different type of confidence. It's a, they believe in themselves. It's a belief in teammates. It's an understanding of, I know exactly what this guy's going to do. And that doesn't happen until you start to just gain hundreds to thousands of minutes playing together. And that is the one flaw in Atlanta United's model is these guys aren't going to get this time because they're going to get sold or they're going to get traded or released or whatever. Um, and sometimes it works. Like with Almiron, sometimes it doesn't work. Like with Barco. Adam says, safe to say the most expensive MLS side ever is failing to meet expectations, sadly. You noted on Twitter the Stripes' difficulty to create goals on their own. They look more dynamic in attack when going right at their opponents, which is something that is arguably a weakness for Moreno. Would Pineda try a lineup without Moreno? Does Atlanta win tonight if Almeida was playing? Pineda loves Moreno. And, you know, I wrote that blog a few weeks ago in which I said I thought Moreno was a good player who could be better if he would execute the tactics. For the next few games, he started to execute the tactics, passing and moving, and United started winning. Now you're starting to see a slight regression from Moreno. Now Atlanta United did beat Pachuca. They did beat Miami. It was a 10-man Miami. Obviously, they did not beat Toronto. And you're starting to see the Moreno that likes to dribble more, that tries to play some of the lower percentage passes. Again, not putting that loss on Moreno. I'm just saying I think he's better on the wing than as an attacking midfielder. Does Atlanta win tonight if Almeida was playing? I really have no idea. Um Adam continues, we've now seen several Atlanta matches without Miles Robinson. While it's difficult to gauge anyone's individual impact with all the injuries Atlanta has endured, what are you seeing as the effect of his loss? When you have Miles in the back, and he's a known quantity, I think the team, this is what I was talking about with confidence in your teammates, belief in your teammates. Atlanta United knew if they bombed forward, Miles Robinson was kind of a one-man counterattack breaker-upper in the back because of his speed, because of his athleticism, because of his intelligence. I think they see that Campbell can be that guy, but they're not confident that he can be that guy just yet because they haven't played with him enough. Same for Alan Franco. Um, So I think that's the biggest thing right now. Atlanta hasn't been known as a lockdown defensive side for the past few years, if ever. Tonight saw a lot of the same issues with regarding to marking, tracking, and defensive formation. Is it time to look toward the coaching as a key part of the problem? I think this, again, is is just chemistry, confidence, a lack of foot speed in the midfield, which is a big, big problem, I think. You've got two very young fullbacks on the outside last night. I thought they both played well, but there's still going to be experience issues, communication issues, things like that. Um, so I wouldn't put it down to coaching. Maybe accountability. I don't know how the coaches are holding the players accountable. That's not something they're ever going to talk about, but that could be part of the issue. Noah says, I am literally so mad about this game. He had to ask another question. Does the franchise know that for fans less invested like myself and the ones who contribute to your podcast, season ticket members, et cetera, that they are losing fans based off these pitiful performances? Noah, when you say losing fans, what are you referring to? People are selling their tickets. They're not renewing. They're not going to the games. It must change, so what is this club going to do about it? 
I, I don't know, other than keep investing in players. I mean, it, like, you can't argue that Atlanta United has been cheap. It keeps trying to put a good product on the field. And it's just been snake bit. Matt says, hi, Doug. I hope you're doing well. This is our final question in the podcast from the Baltimore chapter of the Atlanta United Fan Club. Atlanta appeared to struggle mightily getting the ball out of their end when TFC applied pressure. What can they do to improve upon that when they face the much more potent Red Bulls press? Yeah, I would not be surprised if you see Atlanta United switch to a back five against Red Bulls so they can have another player that they can pass to to try to break the press. Um, almost like a 5-4-1 type of a thing. Um, so they can try to create some triangles to get through Red Bulls, but it's it's going to be a very, very tough game for Atlanta United, especially based upon the way they played against Toronto. I fully expected Atlanta United was going to be able to break Toronto's press and then get on counterattacks, which is when they're at their best, when they can run at players, as one of the previous questioners asked, and they just were incapable of doing that. All right. That's going to wrap up this Southern Fried Soccer podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Hug your loved ones. Communicate with your loved ones. Y'all take care. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh, oh, oh.